welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. In this episode, we meet Abir, a student in America on the scholarship from Oman. She is graduating this year and off to study in Canada. It's exciting for her to share and teach me about Ramadan. I must admit my ignorance for this incredibly wonderful religious observance, learning about the true understanding of Ramadan. Thanks, Abir, for joining us today. I was wondering if you might be able to tell me a little bit about yourself. My name is Abir. I'm 19 years old and I'm from Oman. I moved to the U.S. to study and to complete high school and university. I was at university in Canada, but still outside of Oman. So what are your goals and expectations for school? I think my goals as a student were to as cliche as it sounds, work really hard to get where I want to be, to achieve what I want to, because I'm here on a scholarship. Therefore, working hard has always been one of my top goals and will remain one of my top goals, no matter where I am. I think as a career path, I'm majoring in international relations is something I'm passionate about, being the bridge between the connections of different cultures and backgrounds and something I hope I'd be able to help in my future job. Can you tell me what you thought about your results from the VIA survey? I do think that survey surprised me. I expected to see teamwork and humor as well, but what I did not expect was to actually see um, bravery there. I don't consider myself brave. I try to take the braver route when I'm faced with a difficult situation, but in the sense of the word bravery, I'm a kind of a coward. Everything terrifies me in a deeper sense of the way I am scared to sometimes express myself because what if this person doesn't like me? I'm trying to be myself regardless of all my other fears and everything else. If I'm not true to who I am, no matter where I am, I'm just not being myself. I will feel even worse afterwards. Kindness also surprised me. I think I am kind, but I think... I value honesty and integrity more than kindness. I really do value honesty. I'm honest about who I am. I don't like to change my personality based on the crowd. So even if it's kinder to pretend, I have this joke, I think this joke is funny. Instead of saying, actually, I'm uncomfortable. I would prefer to take the harsher route and be like, I don't want you to say this. I know as a Muslim, you observe Ramadan. And I was wondering if you would be willing to share some information about what the observant consists of for you. Ramadan is one of the holiest months in the calendar for Muslims. It's basically the month where we abstain from drinking and eating when there's daylight outside. And it's more than just abstaining from food and water. It's abstaining from bad-mouthing people, from gossiping, from committing sins. Basically, you cleanse yourself and your mind during the month. And the reason we fast 
is because during the day, all Muslims are equal. None of us are eating. And when we break our fast, all of us eat together. But there isn't socioeconomic differences between any of the Muslims. And as a Muslim, when you're fasting, you need to make sure everyone in your neighborhood is eating as well. What we do is feed everyone in the neighborhood. My mom would make me take a plate to my neighbors while my brother takes a plate to the other house, while the other children in the neighborhood are also doing the same thing. So that when the time to eat comes, everyone after starving equally for the day is eating equally at night. It's about recognizing your blessing, where you fall in society and how you can help all those around you, all while we're all suffering the same thing. Because every day we all have different struggles based on where we are. During Ramadan, God decreed that we all struggle the same. So we're all starving and that we all eat the same. One of the most important parts of Ramadan is the sharing between the community. I will give my neighbor food and then my neighbor will give me food. We're making sure we both are fed. We have this chance to experience something holy together. It brings families together every Ramadan. I will go with my entire extended family and we'll all eat with my grandpa. It's the month of forgiveness in Islam. We call it the forgiveness month. Whatever past grievances you have with people, you bury them during Ramadan. We have a special night in Ramadan called Laylat al-Qadr, which is the night of a thousand nights. God's like, if you do a blessing or something good during this night, you will get the reward of a thousand other nights. No matter what you did, what sin you committed, you can bury it in Ramadan. It's all about cleansing yourself and making sure everyone in the community is cleansed. It's a very, very important month to me. Wow. This is so much more than I ever knew. And I really want to thank you for sharing. What is it like being away from family and friends when you're observing Ramadan? I'm here without my family in a country that doesn't really celebrate Ramadan. So it was a struggle of homesickness, but also it taught me a lot of things. I value those things that I took for granted. I never knew how much I did getting up setting the table with my family, cooking, running to the neighbor's house, giving them food. I never knew that those were things that I associated with Ramadan until I came here. I feel sort of empty because I don't have that kinship with my community. It highlights that truly the essence of Ramadan. What about the implications of being in school during Ramadan? Is there any real difference between the way school changes during Ramadan in Oman? It didn't really impact me as a student back in Oman because the entire country would adjust to Ramadan. We'd have shorter hours of school. All the restaurants would be closed during the day, open at night. Everything was easier. Here, it did impact me because the fasting hours are longer. I would have to fast from 4 a.m. to around 8 p.m. It was difficult and nothing would adjust. I would be expected to continue my nine to five day while abstaining from food and water, which was tough. Would you say that you had support from the other friends during the observance while you were in America? I think my community supported me, especially my friends. It's not the ignorant type of curiosity. It was the genuine interest and their fascination that really helped and how they would, for example, if something good or delicious was during for lunch, they would keep it for me to have it afterwards. It was, that, it was those little actions that really helped a lot. Three teachers wanted to join. But I think telling someone you're not going to eat or drink for 17 hours off the get-go, that's kind of scary. So I think they're hesitant. But my friend told me that his roommate helped and he did the entire day. But I think last couple of hours, he kind of caved in and drank water, which honestly, him going at least more than 12 hours is mind-blowing for me because for me, it's easy. I've practiced this since I was a child, since I was like nine or eight. We do it in steps when we're kids. We have this thing called Qaran Qasho, which is in the middle of Ramadan. 
if you want to teach kids how to fast when they're young, you let them fast only to the middle of Ramadan. You don't let them complete the whole month. And then you give them this Qanqa show. It's a huge party. It's like Halloween, basically. We just give candy. And then you give them this Qanqa show. You fasted 15 days. Congrats. As a kid, I went through that. And then I continued the 30 days. And the end of the 30 days, I, I, we'd have Eid, which is our parents would give us money. So it's like, how you kind of build it up. You and I had a conversation earlier this year about wanting to be yourself and tired of trying to be someone you're not. I was hoping you would share a little bit about those feelings and experiences you've had. I think the journey from acceptance of others to self-acceptance is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, especially since I joined here last year with away from everything I knew. I'm in a foreign community with no one I know. I want people to like me, but I discovered that the best way for people to like you is to be true to yourself. It would feel more rewarding knowing that this person likes me for my beliefs, for who I am, for what I practice, for everything, instead of this person likes a version of me that they have in their mind. It's a very hard journey that you just need to a lot of self-reflection, a lot of what would I gain out of this person just liking, not even who me, just liking a version I created. What would I gain from this? And it's nothing. And it all would do would make me more insecure, more doubt myself, doubt my real personality and stuff. You mentioned that you're here in America on scholarship. I was wondering what it was like to be honored with that scholarship. I'm so incredibly grateful. I haven't even begun to describe how grateful I am for my scholarship because they provide me the opportunity to study. Even though I'm very grateful and those are the opportunities they provide me, it does come with struggles. I need to maintain my grades academically. Not even academic struggles, because a lot of personal struggles. A scholarship is a competitive environment. People you consider your friends are also your competitors. So it's all that mental drainage of, I want to succeed, but I also want my friend to succeed, but only one of us can succeed. Hmm. I guess I never really considered the competitive nature of applying for a scholarship. I just assumed no one knew the others applying. It's that inner struggle of, I want it to be me, but I love this person and I also don't want them to suffer. The best way to navigate a situation like that is to push yourself to always be motivated because you will be motivated in a situation like that to want the best for yourself and for others. A lot of people forget that when they get competitive, they try to do whatever they can so they get to win. So they get the thing, which I do understand. I also want that, but I think a better way to get that is to push yourself and your friends towards it. Because in the end, you're on equal ground and whoever gets it, gets it. Instead, you just push yourself and you push everyone away. And will it be worth it when you do get it? Well, the person you've become, a person who's driven by competition, who disadvantages their friends on purpose, is that worth it? Is that the type of person you want to be? I always had this mentality that I'm going to work really hard to get this because it's something I want. But at the same time, if anyone asked for my help, if my friends wanted anything, I would do that. I would help them. So that, because I want to get this, but I also want them to get this. So if we're helping each other, I'm going to benefit and they're going to benefit and there's no losses. And whoever gets it, just gets it. I think when I did get it, my friends were very happy for me because we're friends. There were some people who I was friends with and then I realized they're the type of person who only they want to succeed. That broke my heart. I'm glad we're no longer friends because you want people who only want the best for you, who strive for the best. I think just having a healthy mentality 
of I want to succeed, but that doesn't mean I succeed at the price of other people. I succeed with other people alongside me. We can be equals. So I think having that mentality is the most important part. It sounds like these are pressures you put on yourself. Do you feel the same pressures from your family? I give myself this pressure. My scholarships are really great and they want me to be the best I can be and they're supporting me. But I think personally, I wish to do better. And it's back to my own insecurities, I guess. I think I can accomplish better. So I wish I can do, I want to push myself forward. But I think also recognizing when, okay, this is the hardest I can try and I can't really go, I've tried hard and this is where I reached and I should accept that is very, very important. And I've, I'm towards the end of the school year right now. So I've accepted that this journey has come to an end. I'm happy with everything I've accomplished here. So I hope I remind myself of this when I first start university. I hope when I join there, I try hard, but not too hard. Because balancing academic life with social life, family, all those other stuff is very, very important. Because in the end of the day, whether you get an A, doesn't really matter that much, especially if it's the cost of your mental health. Do you know anyone else who had studied abroad? My mother and my sister both studied abroad outside of their countries. I felt that I wanted to continue the line of women in our family studying abroad. That is a cute little thing. As well as my sister talked about how when she studied in America, she learned independence and how to handle situations. And she said she matured really quickly because she understood the reality of the situations. Like when she went back to Oman, she knew who she was. Do you think the experiences that your mom and sisters had, do you think those experiences influenced your experience? I, knowing yourself was a long journey. I just wanted the same opportunity to discover myself without the constraints of everything I know, everything I find comforting, everything I love. If you put someone in an uncomfortable environment, who they are truly will come out because they need to adapt, they need to learn, they need to discover new things. I wanted to see if that would also happen to me. What's next for you? The next level is university. And that's when I'll not fully discover myself because that you never fully discover yourself, but I'll learn more about myself and how to handle myself as an adult. Do you have any advice you would like to give to others who meet or work with international students? This is going to have very cliche, but just listening to each other. I think that is the most important thing you can do. Listening will provoke empathy. And with empathy, all of our problems can be cured. Like everyone needs a little more empathy. Just putting yourself in someone else's shoes, understanding what they've been through or looking at a perspective that you may not look at before. I think that's when you make inter like intercultural friendships and relationships between not just students to students, but students to teachers. Teachers should listen more to students and students should listen more to teachers. I think it's just listening between no matter who you are in like the hierarchy or anything, listening would help. Listening and empathy. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unimagined. What really struck me about this conversation was the impact fighting for a scholarship can have on a young adult. This year, I started to learn from students how much pressure is put on students to maintain the award of the scholarship. It really opened my eyes and made me realize there are a lot of things I think I know, 
that I really know very little about. Asking questions and being curious are really needed in education now more than ever. What was something this episode brought up for you? Remember, share the episode, comment on an issue you think I should ask a student, or help me connect to another student. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Peers Not Fears. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.